Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. Before we go into our worship service, I have three announcements I'd like to highlight from the back of the bulletin, and there's quite a few, but three I'd like to point out. First is that the youth are meeting at 7 o'clock after the evening worship service in our backyard, which is just right there. Uh, I'll be cooking for us, and if you're uh, part of that group, please bring a blanket or a chair to sit on, or you can sit in the grass. Secondly, uh, there is a baby shower for my wife, Elizabeth, and it is April 29th at 3 p.m. In, it's on a Saturday uh, at Sarah Chapman's home, and there's the address there for that. Please uh, go to that if you would like to. Lastly, uh, next Sunday is going to be a, uh, a big Sunday for us. Uh, we actually get to have uh, Heath Cross is preaching uh, for us that morning, and we are also having our fifth Sunday dinner on the ground, which is we're, we're blocking off this street and having what I call a block party, but what would y'all call something else, I think. Um, what we're going to be having lunch together after the morning service, all of the food is provided. We would just ask you to come and enjoy and fellowship together with us after the morning service, and there will be no evening service that day. And lastly, we'll have the Lord's Supper and enjoy the Lord's table together that Sunday morning as well. Let's take a few moments now as we begin our worship service to ask God to help us to worship Him, to give us um, the ability to think clearly, to listen well, uh, and to engage our hearts with what we hear. Let's do that now. Would you please uh, rise for our call to worship? Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 100. It's one of the royal psalms written by King David, calling on all people to honor God according to his divine status. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is he, he, it is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. Let us now join our voices and praise the Lord with a hymn that should be familiar to us all. Number 116, For the Beauty of the Earth.
Let's pray with me, please. Almighty God, we pray for your blessing on the church in this place where we gather. Here in your presence, may the faithful find salvation, the careless awakened, the doubting find faith, the anxious be encouraged, the tempted find help, and the sorrowful find comfort. Here in this place, dear Lord, may the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. May those who earnestly seek your healing power find it in both their physical and spiritual lives. And now, dear Father, we pray together that prayer our Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Apostles' Creed has been used both as a statement of faith and in worship by many denominations since the time of the early church. Most theologians agree that it has its roots in apostolic times and reflects with much integrity apostolic teaching. I ask you, Christians here today, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered unto Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. We have a moment uh, to pray um, both individually and silently and together as a congregation. And as we have moved through this time of worship already, um, there are things that are crossing your mind, there are thoughts, there are um, things that you are dealing with in your heart. Um, Whatever it might be, we have an opportunity to go before the Lord and bring those things to Him, to ask for His help, to ask for His forgiveness. Uh, Whatever it might be, he is here, he hears you, and he will respond. So we'll take a few moments to do that, to pray silently, individually, and then I'll lead us in a prayer together. Let's go before our Father now in prayer. Lord God, we are gathered here this morning to worship you and to praise you. And as your word asks, the question we ask, who is mighty as you are, Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging of the sea. When when the waves rise, you still them. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. The north and the south, you have created them. God, you have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand. High your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. And blessed are the people who know the festal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who exalt in your name all the day, and in your righteousness are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength, and by your favor our horn is exalted. 
For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. Lord, you're high and lifted up, but you've sent your Son to be in the day-to-day, in the muck and the mire with us. And without Jesus, we would be lost, we would be helpless. But Lord, there is great help in you. You're compassionate and merciful to sinners like me. You're long-suffering and patient. You delight to show your grace to people who don't deserve it. And as hurting people, Father, we, we are in need and we come to you for help. Lord, we are praying for um, Heath Cross and his family as they prepare and make preparations for their transition here. Lord, would you provide a wonderful home? Would you provide all of the details that come along with moving? Would you give them everything that they ask for and need in this time of transition? Would you bless their time with us next weekend? Lord, we pray for Barbara and Larry as Barbara recovers and as Larry helps. Would you bring this church around them to support them and encourage them? God, as our schools are ending soon, whether college, high school, junior high, kindergarten, pre-kindergarten, Lord, there is great excitement for our young people as school is ending and also uh, a great time of uh, transition for our parents and teachers. Lord, would you bless this time as schools are ending with um, uh, just blessings of, of happiness, um, of low anxiety for our students who are preparing for final exams. Would you give our teachers your blessing uh, for a job well done? And would you help our families as they make plans for this summer? Lord, we pray for uh, the several women in our church who are pregnant and are close to their time of delivering uh, your children who you have created. Um, God, you have put our steps before us. You have uh, drawn our, you have written our stories. So would you be with these women as they go through these final weeks uh, where there's great pain and great discomfort um, and sometimes great anxiety. Lord, would you give them peace, and would you show them your compassion, and would you give them strength and endurance uh, for these final days and before we welcome in uh, more uh, wonderful children. God, we are grateful for this church and for this time of worship and for this time of prayer. Would you continue leading us by your Spirit? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Uh, please join me in prayer. God, we thank you for this time to give our tithes and offerings. Uh, we are grateful that you have given us hearts and desire to give to your kingdom. And we pray that these tithes and offerings would glorify you and would do all that you see fit with them. God, we ask again that you would bless these tithes and offerings for this community, for this church, for our missionaries and their families. Um, God, we pray and entrust these things to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would remain standing, we'll continue worshiping together with hymn number 131, which is Children of the Heavenly Father. Let's continue with hymn, hymn 131. You may be seated. I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 7, starting at verse 24. Mark 7, verse 24. As you turn there, I'll explain briefly where we're at. We've been preaching through the Gospel of Mark for the past several months. And last time we were in Mark, uh, Jesus was teaching, about, about teaching us about things that defile us. And contrary to what the Pharisees were teaching, it's not what we put in our bodies that makes us defiled or unholy or whatever. It's what comes out of our heart that matters. It's our hearts that matter. It's our faith. And we move immediately this week into a story about Jesus going into a Gentile land, a non-Jewish land. And it's really an application of what Jesus was teaching on in this last passage before it which is what makes someone unclean or what makes someone part of God's family or not part of God's family. And we see this lesson uh, in the life of the Syrophoenician woman. So if you would read with me at chapter 7, starting at verse 24, and then I'll pray briefly. This is God's word. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, 
And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Let me pray for us. Lord, would you bless the hearing and preaching and reading of your word? Would you preach the gospel clearly to us this morning through me? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. This is a, a short story, a short passage, but I want to look at three things to help us as we go through it because it's a little confusing and a little concerning on the face of it. So we'll look at three things, the place, the parable, and the person. The place, the parable, and the person. And briefly, the place that Jesus goes to rest, likely, is a notorious region, Gentile region, that was hated by the Jews. The parable that we see here, Jesus uses to challenge this woman to show her and to really invite her in to life with God. And this parable describes the ministry of the Messiah to Israel first and then to the Gentiles. The priority of the Messiah going to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. The Jews described Israel as children of God and often they described Gentiles as dogs. And we'll get into the language of this in a moment. That is one commentary, one commentator says, the proclamation of the gospel to the Gentiles is the fulfillment of the history of salvation begun in Israel. Begun in Israel. And the person that we encounter here in this passage, the woman, the Gentile woman, who is in need, she finds exactly who she was expecting in the person of Jesus. She knows who she is. She knows that she is a sinner. She knows that she deserves nothing. And she knows that Jesus is the God of all grace. So again, we're going to go back to the place for a second. Let's look at the place in more detail. If you read through Mark, you know that Mark doesn't waste words. He doesn't waste space. And so locations are extremely important to the purpose of why Mark is giving us anything, why he's writing. And Tyre is a Gentile territory, as I've said. And it was the home of Jezebel, who in Old Testament time was the place in Elijah's day Uh, was the person who brought in pagan prophets, who brought in pagan worship practices, and was really blamed for a lot of those things. In the first century, there was a historian named Josephus who said that the people of Tyre were notoriously our bitterest enemies. So they were bitter enemies to many Jewish people, all In the time of Jesus, this area that Jesus was in was still looked down upon. So for Jesus to travel to this area at all is in itself a statement of his counter-cultural mission and his message. Many Jews thought that the Messiah would come and drive the Gentiles out, and it would be a kingdom with a Jewish king ruling all the peoples. But time and time again, it's the Gentiles in the Gospel of Mark who have the right response to Jesus. 
the Gentiles are the ones who quickly understand and see who Jesus is and why he's here. In Mark's gospel, the first person to confess Jesus as the Son of God is a Gentile. It was a Roman guard who was overseeing the torture and execution of Jesus. But we see, as Mark points out and as Jesus teaches us, the gospel is tied directly to a people and a place, to a time in history. It is not a nebulous good story about how sinners are redeemed and brought back to God. It is tied directly to a people and to a place. God chose the Israelites to be the people who would usher in the Messiah. In Deuteronomy, we read this passage. This is God's word. We read, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. All the way back into the Old Testament, the Jews knew, the people of Israel knew that God chose them not because of anything in them that they deserved to be chosen, but because God loved them. And it was his will that the Messiah would come from them. And so the earth, as was promised to Abraham, the covenant that God makes with him that God would bless him and his people, and his people would bless the nations, the earth. We see that this blessing would come through a Jewish Messiah. And this blessing would reach, of course, Gentile regions. It would reach the world, including Tyre. So as we look at the place, we move to the parable. And it might not look like a parable right off the bat. As you read this passage, it looks like Jesus is just having a conversation with a woman in need. But I'd like to make the argument that it's a parable. And let me read in verse 26, and you can follow along. The woman, now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. Jesus is is issuing a challenge of sorts in the form of a parable to this woman. And what Jesus is doing, he's taking what was commonly known and used, the words used, and he's actually changing the words and actually changing the phrase that would have been familiar to people in his time, to Jews and to Gentiles. The parable Jesus uses, as we've said already, is the Messiah's priority to the people of Israel and then to the rest of the world and then to the Gentiles. Jews were described as the children of God, and many Jews, again, would call Gentiles uh, the, the word for dog, which is street dog, or however else you want to put that, a dog, a wild dog. It would be used in a hurtful and judgmental way, just as it sounds. And we know that in no point in Scripture is there ever biblical warrant to describe someone in a hurtful or demeaning way. Whether it be a racist stereotype or a harsh joke towards someone, there is never a time when this kind of speech is godly and good. So how could Jesus be using this same language? Wouldn't this be sinful or wrong for Jesus to do this? We know in the last passage, the story before this about what defiles a person, 
We know that Jesus doesn't lump people together under labels of bad or good, of defiled or undefiled. Jesus is doing something different with these labels of children and dogs. What's different? Again, Jesus doesn't judge someone based on who they are or where they come from as being defiled or not. There are no places, there are no people out of reach from the gospel. We're all sinners. No one is righteous apart from God in Christ. No matter who you are or what you've done, God's grace is for everyone. Peter, when he's preaching in the book of Acts, he says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And now as we look at this passage, we know that it is not right to use language to demean others, to harm others. So what is happening here? We have to actually look at the Greek words. It's not my favorite thing to do, but in this case, I think it's necessary that we look at what the original words were used for dog and then for another word in just a moment. But the Greek word for dog that is usually used by Jews to describe Gentiles in a hurtful way is not the word that Jesus uses here. The Jews who would be harmful and hurtful would use the word for street dog, but Jesus uses a different word for a small dog that would be kept in the house as a pet, right? So a totally different word, different type of dog, like a small dog or a house pet. And as a dog is part of the home, it's part of the household. And so Jesus is not calling this woman a street dog. He's challenging the woman with a parable. And he says, my priority is that the children, the Jewish people, would receive the gospel first and then the Gentiles, then the rest of the world. And the woman responds to the challenge, to the parable, with the response, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And again, what's great here is that the woman also changes words. We don't see it in English, but in the Greek, and even if, well, I'll just explain it. Jesus refers to Israel as children in our passage, but he uses the word for biological children or offspring. The Greek word sounds kind of like technon. The woman refers to Israel as pideon, something like that. So very different words. And if you're having a conversation, you would notice, of course, the difference in the words used. The woman uses a word for children that would be more inclusive, that would include the servants of the whole house. And as another commentator said, the, the change in words suggests that the woman understands the mercies of God extend beyond ethnic Israel. And so this woman is bold. She is smart. She's engaged with the challenge of the parable and she's actually meeting Jesus within the parable itself. After one sentence, she understands Jesus' mission, and she receives Jesus' commendation, and her daughter is healed. And so her reply to Jesus in verse 28, it shows that she understands and she accepts Israel's priority and privilege, and then the blessing to the Gentiles. She understands Jesus' mission and priority, and she humbly accepts it, but then there's more. We look at, I want to go to the person now, the last point, the place, the parable, and now the person. So what can we learn from this woman? What can we learn from this experience that she has with Jesus. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, we receive the same story, but worded a little bit differently. And after the woman responds to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And so again, as many smarter people than me who study these passages point out, this woman answers Jesus according to the words in the parable itself. That might not sound that interesting to you, but as many have made the argument, because she does this, it means that she understands the parable. She actually hears Jesus and understands what he's doing, what he is teaching in the parable. She is the first person in Mark to hear and to understand a parable of Jesus, a Gentile woman in a land that is hated by Jews. It's pretty incredible. This wasn't the norm in that time period to honor and regard women like this. It surely would have surprised Jesus' Jewish disciples who were with him. Jesus brings honor and dignity and respect to women, both Jew and Gentile, which was going against the culture of that day. God's word upholds and honors the image of women. And this woman contended with God, like Jacob wrestling with the angel. She understood Jesus had more than enough to not only feed Israel, but the crumbs would be enough to feed the rest of the world, the Gentiles. She understood Jesus had more than enough. Even the crumbs would be sufficient. A couple of weeks ago, I went with uh, Roger Caperton and I went with the, some of the youth group to a, a Jewish temple to participate in a traditional Passover dinner. And it's called a Seder. And you might have been a part of one of these. Uh, Christians also hold these. Uh, but in a Seder, you have a script and everyone has their own copy, and you go through this script. You read scripture, uh, you recite and sing songs, and it's all based upon the story in Exodus of God freeing his people from slavery. And of course, the Passover, which was when God passed over the Israelites who had put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And God the angel of death passed over God's people and did not harm them. The blood of the lamb, as Christians know, points to the true lamb, the Messiah, the lamb of God whose blood covers our sins, who frees us from slavery to sin and brings us into new life by the Holy Spirit. But in the Passover, in, in Passover, Passover scripts are different. But uh, in many of them, you have a part where we recite what's called the uh, Dayan. Uh, now I'm forgetting how to say it out loud. Dayanu. Dayanu. That's what it is. Dayanu. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts, and it goes like this. Uh, sorry, Dayanu means it would have been enough. So when you say Dayanu, it means it would have been enough. It goes like this. If we, and this is in the script, it says, if he had brought us close to Mount Sinai and not given us the Torah or the law, Dayenu, it would have been enough for us. If he had given us the Torah and had not brought us into the land of Israel, Dayenu, it would have been enough for us. And this goes on for several more lines. The people repeating together over and over again, Dayenu, it would have been enough. That would have been enough. And what's so great about this is that it highlights the abundance of God's grace and the humility of sinners who don't deserve it. 
So to be shown mercy from God as a sinner is more than we deserve. And this woman in this passage understands that. She believes that. The woman is content with being a house dog in the household of God if it means that she could have the crumbs that fall from the table. The crumbs would have been enough. She's humbling herself completely and she knows she deserves nothing from God. But as long as she's with Jesus, she'll be content and she'll be satisfied. And we would ask the question, of course, who else do we know who would humble themselves like this, like this woman? Who would willingly be cast out of the household of God? Who would become sin itself? Who would become a curse? Who would become guilty for the sake of the guilty? And it's Jesus. Jesus would become less than a household pet. He would humble himself to the point of being considered a thief and a murderer. He would die the death of criminals. Instead of demanding riches and glory and honor that he justly deserves, instead of justly coming to earth and judging all of humanity for their sin, Jesus emptied himself of all honor and glory and became guilty to set the guilty free. He emptied emptied himself of all glory, dignity, and honor in order to give sinners glory, dignity, and honor. The woman in our passage understands the, the true quality of her need. She understands the depths of her need. And you can ask yourself that same question, do you understand your need? Are you as desperate as this woman who Jesus says has great faith? Are you as desperate as her to be in the household of God? Have you come to know what this Gentile woman knew, that even the crumbs of God's grace would be enough? Even the crumbs would be sufficient But we know he doesn't just give us crumbs. God lavishes his love on sinners. In 1 John 3, we read this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I found it interesting that even in that verse from 1 John, John uses the same word that Jesus does for children, biological children children, offspring, which to me it means that God, through Christ, makes us his children, his true children, true offspring. We aren't just household members. We are his children whom he dearly loves. And by faith, God makes us his children through Christ. He brings us into the household. He blesses us with forgiveness, with sanctification, with righteousness and comfort and security and freedom. We aren't given crumbs, though that would be enough. We feast on the bread of life. We feast on Jesus himself, the Messiah, the Savior of sinners. And he gave himself for us to reserve a seat for us at the table and where we read over and over again in scripture that there is going to be a banquet a feast for the people of God for the household of God where we will enjoy it with Jesus himself face to face and for all who would come to know the grace of Jesus like this there is a challenge that comes with it for you and for me just like this woman She saw the challenge of the parable, she answered it, and she understood it. The challenge is this, if you know 
that you are deserving of nothing in yourself, if you bring nothing to the table, and yet God lavishly gives you all his grace and love and compassion because he loves you, how could you not then show this love and this mercy to those in your community and neighborhood who many people would give no honor, no dignity, or respect to? We're no more deserving of God's grace than the next person. Black, white, rich, poor, citizen, immigrant, whatever it might be. All that we have is a gift from God. We have nothing in ourselves that deserves God's mercy and his love. All that we are is by faith. It's a gift from God in Christ. And the challenge is not just hard to do this. It's, it's impossible. Listen to Jesus. He says, he gives you a really practical example of how you can show this type of humility. In Luke chapter 14, he says, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is Jesus' command. When we hear this, we go, oh man, that sounds great, but I don't really want to do that. I don't really feel like I'm really equipped for that kind of love and hospitality. Whatever reasons we might think of, even if we are gifted with hospitality, because we are sinners, we back away from this kind of command to show honor and love to those who don't deserve it in our eyes. But as we have been loved, we are called to love others. As you have been given honor and dignity and respect and glory in Christ, we show that to others in the name of Christ. We bless others who cannot repay us because we have been blessed and we cannot repay it. We were desperate in need. We were dead in our sin and Jesus gave us life because he loves us. We are deserving of hell itself. Yet Jesus saves you and me and loves us This is living faith. This is what the Gentile woman understood. She understood the love of Christ that he would give up everything and more to bring people back who did not even love him, who in fact hated him. And so I pray that God gives us this understanding of the love of Christ, of his mission as the Messiah, Savior of sinners, and that he would challenge us to live like him. Would you please pray with me? God, we can open up your word on any day of the week, and we can read it, and we can receive it, and we will be challenged by it, because in ourselves we cannot respond to your word in the right way. We need your spirit. So God, as we learn about the humility of this Gentile woman who knows you in a way that many did not, that you gave up your glory, that you gave up all honor to come to earth to suffer and to die and to rise from the dead for sinners who did not deserve it, would you again remind us of this grace, of your love for us, that you forgive us not because of what we do to deserve it, but because you love us. Would you help us to show this kind of love to others? Would you remind us of our place? 
we are not deserving, and yet you love us. Help us to show this to others. Help us to lead others to you. We thank you for your word and for the gospel, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand for our last hymn, and we're going to sing verses 1 and 4 of hymn 528, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Let's sing hymn verses 1 and 4 of 528. Receive God's blessing and respond in faith with your amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.